It's good to see you here tonight. It's good to see some newer faces. I appreciate you taking the admonition from this morning. We're going to be in the book of Leviticus. We've been, we, what we do on, on Sunday nights is we're just going to start in Genesis. We've been there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We're going to go all the way through Revelation. It's going to take some time. We've been in uh, Leviticus for quite some time now. We've learned about all the particular offerings that God had commanded for the people of Israel to present to God. Um, there are seven things, as John taught us, that are common to all the sacrifices. And I want to just go over them quickly. The first thing is that when you brought a sacrifice, it had to be without blemish. It was brought to the entrance of the tabernacle. Now remember, don't think that it's the tabernacle itself. It's the curtain around. There was, a, there was a, a fence, if you would, around the entire tabernacle complex. They brought it to that spot. That's where they would slaughter the animal. We know that there was personal responsibility in the sacrifices. They had to bring the sacrifice themselves. There was at times a shared responsibility in the sacrifice. There was always a public display of blood. It was thrown. It was spilt. It was sprinkled. Blood, blood, blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, the Scripture tells us. God said of all the sacrifices, they were a sweet aroma to Him, whether it was burnt, whether it was grain, whether it was whatever it was. It was a sweet aroma to God, and there was, of course, various different offerings. Now, God had laid out all the sacrifices. These are what they are. This is how you're to do them. Not a single sacrifice hasn't even been made yet. Because now we have to consecrate the priests. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The consecrating of the priesthood. It's found in Leviticus chapter 8. I'm going to ask that you stand with me as we pray. We're going to read the entire chapter. We're going to break it down. And uh, we'll see their role and how, of course, Christ is the ultimate high priest for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your word, we thank you that your plan, that is of the fullness of time, Ephesians tells us, is perfect. We thank you that you've given for us a great high priest. We thank you that no longer will the blood of bulls and goats suffice, but there has been one great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who now sits in heaven, mediating for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for what the priesthood points to. And as we look at their consecration, Lord, we'll see. Show us, Lord, how it points to your consecration and how it also points to ours. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God said. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and the bowl of the sin offering, and the two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. 
And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him and the breastpiece he put the, ur- the urim and the thunum. And he set the turban on his head, and on a turban in front he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him, and Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waists and and bound caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering, and he killed it. And Moses took the blood, and with his finger he put it on the horns of the altar around it and purified the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with, the fat, with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bowl and its skin and its flesh and its dung he burned, outside, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat, He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination. And and Aaron and his sons laid their hand on the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses took some of the blood, and he put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he presented Aaron's sons. And Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of the right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands, on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the side of the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail and the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from his hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his sons' garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and there eat it, and the bread that is in the basket of the ordination offerings as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it, and what remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn up with fire." And you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are complete, for it will take seven days to ordain you. As you have done today, the Lord commanded it to be done to make atonement for you. 
At the entrance of the tent of meeting you shall remain in day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged, so that you do not die. For so I have been commanded, and Aaron and his sons did the things that the Lord commanded Moses. Whew. You may be seated. We see, first of all, that the role of the priest was that of a mediator between God and man. The mediator. Uh, Kenneth Matthews writes in his commentary this, and I think it's, it's absolutely right. He says, The chief role of priestly mediation was not between two aggrieved persons, but with only one offended party. God alone had the right to be offended by the disobedience of His people Israel. God was faithful to His people, but they were not loyal to Him. The people had no legitimate grievance to bring against their God. Also, the priestly mediator was not a dispassionate observer of the dispute. He himself was part of the problem. Interesting. They were to mediate between God and man. But they also, in a way, had to mediate for themselves. Because they were just mere men. They were sinners. And because they were part of the problem, they had to be consecrated by God for the task of mediation. And the Bible tells us, as we read, that they were publicly consecrated by God. There was a community ceremony. It was a public ceremony. Look at what it says again. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and the bowl of the sin offering, and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. So it was to be done in sight of all the children of Israel. They were all to observe this ceremony that was going on. As we read, it's going on for seven days. Seven days this has been repeated. So Moses had to get enough bulls for the seven days, enough leavened bread, assemble all the people, Get them all together. Maybe not all the people. We're not sure it says all the people, but more likely he had to make sure the elders, the chiefs of the people, were at least observing what was going on. And the first thing that was done, that God commanded, was that there was to be a cleansing. Verse 6 says, And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. We see that this cleansing precedes sanctifying. Notice who's doing all the work. You will see, and Moses, and Moses, and Moses. Moses is doing all the work here. Keep that in your mind. We're going to come back to that. There was a cleansing, and after Moses washed them with water at the great laver that was to be built, the big pool for, the, for washing and cleansing, of course, that, 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 that points to us of baptism. But after they were cleansed, they were to be dressed. The garments that were placed on Aaron were holy and made especially for the high priest. If you remember in Exodus chapter 28... These garments were, in detail, God said, this is how you are to make them. 
You'd be very specific. Remember, God said uh, uh, prior to Leviticus in Exodus, He's telling them, make sure that you do everything as I told you on the mountain. It's when Moses was on the mountain for 40 days that God gave him the details, the plans, the blueprints for the temple, for the altar, for everything that was to be made. So what we're, we're at now, all the stuff has been made. A long period of time has happened since this. We should not think that this is like day one, day two. And No, a long period of time, we don't know how long, but has happened. Now they're at the point of consecrating the priests. And now it comes for the dressing, the special garments that were to be for the high priest and the priest. They were totally separate garments. Remember what God said about the high priest garments. In Exodus 28, 2, he says, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. For glory and for beauty. These were some good-looking clothes that Aaron was wearing. They were important. They were symbolic. They had meaning. Not a single piece was without significance. Let's see what God had Moses put on him. Verses 7, 9, And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe. So he put on first the robe to cover his body, tied it with the sash, He put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. What was the ephod? I guess the closest that that I, at all analysis, it was shoulder pads, essentially. Right? And he tied them around him. And on those shoulder pads, it doesn't tell us here, but on those pads were stones, and on each one were written the names of the tribe of Israel. The six on one and six on the other. And it was to symbolize that Aaron was to bear the weight of the children of Israel. Jesus bears us on his shoulders. Then he taught on him, it says, and he placed the breast piece on him. And the breast piece he put, and in the breast piece, he put the urim and the thummim. Remember, the breast piece was square. It was perfectly square. And it had four, uh, three lines of four stones, precious stones, and on each different stone was written a name of the tribe of the children of Israel. And it was to show that Aaron was to carry in his very, to, 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 to hold in his heart the children of Israel. He was to hold them in his heart. Christ holds us in his heart. And it says, and he set the turban on his head, and on the turban in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. So he had this turban, and on the turban was a sash with a golden plate, it says, tied to it. But on that golden plate, if you remember, it says, holiness to the Lord. Only the high priest wore this. The high priest was separate from all the other priests, separate from every other person in the nation of Israel. He wore these clothes to distinguish himself. God had commanded that. And so Moses 
physically dress Aaron. Well, let's just be honest. That probably seemed a little weird, right? I mean, it would for us. I'm standing there like I'm getting, you know, how many of us, when we were going to our first prom, our first dance in, in, in fifth grade, you know, your mother's there fixing you like, oh, come on, mom, leave me alone. You know, I don't know if it was like that. This was a very serious thing. I think they knew the seriousness of what was happening. And then it says that there was an anointing. And the first thing that was anointed was not Aaron and not his sons. The tabernacle was anointed with the special oil. All that can go back in Exodus that God said to make. It was to be made a special. It wasn't just plain old olive oil. They didn't, you know, they didn't run down to the local uh, 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 market and pick up you know, any old brand olive oil. This was special stuff that God said, this is how you're going to make it. And no one else is to ever use this. This is only for the priests. Verses 10 and 11 say this, Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. So it tells us that Moses took this oil and he went inside the tabernacle, behind a curtain even, says everything, and he anointed it with oil. He sprinkled oil on everything. And then he comes outside and he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times. And he anointed the altar and all its utensils. Remember, for, for having the, uh, the, the, uh, the bronze altar there, which they sacrificed, they had forks, they had shovels, they had all kinds of stuff because you were producing a lot of ash. And you had to move pieces around and, and all kinds of things. So he anointed everything. There was not a single thing within the tabernacle complex that was not anointed by oil. Of course, we know. What does the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. God's Spirit was in this place. And he consecrated them to the Lord. And then he consecrates Aaron. He anoints Aaron. He doesn't sprinkle it on Aaron. He pours it on Aaron. He pours it on Aaron. How how great is that? And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. He pours it on Aaron. Aaron is completely dressed as the high priest, and he pours it right over that turban, and it runs down the turban, it runs down Aaron's face, it runs down Aaron's beard, it runs down the garments. And you think, God, what are you doing? It's beautiful, now you just wrecked it with olive oil. No, he didn't. He was setting it apart. He was anointing Aaron for a task. And I can't help but think of what the psalmist tells us in Psalm 133 where he points to the unity of the church. When brothers and sisters dwell in unity, how it's like the blessing of oil. Because God and Aaron were unified. Look at what it says in Psalm 133, verses 1 and 2. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. When brothers dwell in unity. One of the major themes of the book of Ephesians is that we would be unified. Oneness. God hates dissension. There are six things the Lord hates, yea, seven that are abomination to Him. And one of them is the one who caused dissension among the brothers. He hates disunity. The psalmist says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head 
running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. The psalmist will go on to say, for there the blessing of the Lord resides. Next, Aaron and his sons. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waists and bound cats on them as the Lord commanded Moses. <laughs> wow, Dad, look at those. Man, we're not, oh, man, we're not getting what my dad's getting. But they got garments that separated them. Showed them their task. Showed the people that they were qualified by God to do certain tasks within the temple. And there was a lot of priests. A lot of different clans. Some had the jobs of putting up the tabernacle, taking down the tabernacle, carrying this, carrying this, taking care of this. There was a lot to do. And so he anoints them, he dresses them. And then the offerings are now applied to Aaron and to his sons. The first thing that is done is the sin offering. Remember, Aaron himself is part of the problem. He's a man. He has to give sacrifice for his own sins before he can even give the sacrifice for the sins of others. Look at what it says. And then he, Moses, brought the bull of the sin offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull and of the sin offering, identifying with it. With it would come the confessing of their sins saying, I have sinned and I deserve this death, but the bull is going to pay the price. And he killed it. And Moses took the blood, and with his finger he put it on the horns of the altar, around it, and purified the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar, and consecrated it to make atonement for it. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails. The entrails are the guts, the inside stuff. That's the best way I could put it. And the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. I don't know why God chose the long liver, the, the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys. My guess is, I have no, no commentators to say my guess is because those are the purifying organs. Those are the filters of the body. Um, but the bull and its skin and its flesh and its dung, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. I don't know if you caught it, sir, but there is one difference in this sin offering as opposed to the other sin offerings. In the other sin offerings, the priest, when a person bought a sin offering, the priest was to take that same blood and go in before the veil and sprinkle blood seven times. Here, he does not. It's not listed. Why is that? Well, let's look at first what it says about the regular sin offering. And the anointed priest, Leviticus 4 and 5, and the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. Why? Why not for the priests? I can't find anything in commentaries that talk about this, and maybe I'm just t taking a guess. My guess is because Moses was doing everything for them. Moses was the one making atonement for them, as it were. Moses, you remember, is a type of Christ. Moses 
tells the children of Israel that there is going to come a prophet after him of which they must listen to. I believe that's why he didn't have to because they're being atoned for by the one who stands in the place of the ultimate mediator. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? I hope you do. Deuteronomy 18, 18. This is one of those verses of which, remember, oh, I mean, I guess quite a while ago, we talked about the, you know, the, uh, uh, the signposts, as it were, throughout Scripture. We have these certain verses that point us and stop us, and we go, oh, wait, okay, that kind of sums up all this. Oh, that points me in this direction. Deuteronomy 18, 18 is one of them. And I will rise up for them a prophet like you. God's saying to them, I will rise up a prophet from among them like you, from their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Who else could that be but Jesus? And so now we have a burnt offering. And then he, again, when you see, then he, just say Moses, presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And he killed it. And Moses threw the blood against the side of the altar. I still have yet to figure out why some are poured and some are thrown. I don't understand it. But the end result is the same. It makes atonement. It consecrates. The end is the same. So he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat, and he washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses... Burn the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. And so we have two offerings that we're fully aware of, that we know about. And now a brand new offering is introduced. And it's for the priest and for the priest only. In your Bible, perhaps it says the ordination offering. It says in verse 22, then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. So they laid their hands again. They made identification with it. And he says this, and he killed it. And Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he, present, then he presented Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the side of the altar. What's going on here? Alan Ross, in his commentary, Holiness to the Lord, a guide to the exposition of the book of Leviticus, writes this, and I think he's right. A feature that must be stressed is the application of the blood to the earlobe, thumb, and toe. The application of blood to these parts covered, listen to this, what they heard, what they handled, and where they went. It meant that in all their activities, they were supposed to be set apart by the blood. Being a priest involved total sanctification of life, a holy lifestyle. This is confirmed by the sprinkling of oil and blood. There was no separation between sacred and secular. The priest was never off duty. He was never off duty. It's the same for us as God's children. 
This placing of blood on the right lobe, the right ear lobe, the thumb, and the big toe was also done in one other ceremony. One other offering. It was a guilt offering for the one who had leprosy. That was it. The other burnt offerings just didn't happen. You had leprosy, some sort of skin disease, and we know that leprosy represents sin. Right? Lepers were outside the camp until they could be deemed as clean. In Leviticus 14.14, we'll see. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Why is that? How come they have the same thing done to them as the priests? The priests were separate and holy and different. I think it's pointing to something. Remember this morning we read in 1 Corinthians 6.11 of what Paul reminded the Corinthians. You were this and you were that. And it says this, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The person with leprosy had to wash, they had to shave themselves, they had to wash, they had to go through a whole thing before they got to the point of which they were anointed, consecrated with the blood and the oil on the right ear, on the, on the lobe and on the thumb and on the toe. I keep, I, I, to me, it points to all of us as believers. Our whole life is to be consecrated to God. We are never to be off duty. Peter tells us this in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are all to be pastors? No, only men are to be pastors. And only those who are called by God are to be pastors. But we're all to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all to be consecrated. We're all to be washed in the blood. We are all set apart if we are truly God's children. And then there's this wave offering. So all this is done. Aaron's dressed. Everything's been done. The blood is on him. The, blood is, the oil is poured on him. The blood is on his ear and his thumb and his toe. It's on the same for his sons. And then Moses says, hold out your hands. I'm going to put some stuff in it. And look what he puts in his hands. And he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and the right thigh, and out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf and one loaf of bread with oil and one wafer, and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. Moses, I mean, Aaron's holding a lot of stuff right here. You guys know I like to hunt, and when we clean out a deer, I always think about these kind of passages because I see that fat. I understand. That's not easy to hold. So there's Aaron. He's holding all of this stuff. It says, and he put it in the hands of Aaron and his sons and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. A wave offering. It's to say, God, we accept your graciousness. God, we accept your mercy to us, that we 
are not on the altar. These are in our place. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a, with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. So uh, on the bull, the, the, uh, uh, the breast, how many of you had um, uh, St. Patrick's Day, you eat what that? You eat... Uh, Corned beef, corn beef and uh, cabbage, right? If you like that, that corn, that's the breast of the bill. It's huge. It's a huge piece of meat. It says, and Moses took that. It had obviously been cut off from the bull, and he wave, or the ram, and he waves it before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, as the Lord had commanded Moses. This is the very first time we see that Moses gets anything. This is what God gave to Moses for food. Obviously, it wasn't Moses' only meal. This ordination was for the high priests. But Moses gets a part. Why? Because Moses stood as the mediator between Aaron, his sons, and the Lord. And so Moses gets the breast, the, the breast of the ram. Offering of ordination. And then verse 30 says, Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and the blood that was on the altar. So now he mixes the special oil and the blood. He mixes them together. And he sprinkles it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his sons' garments. And so he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. The final seal, the blood which takes away sins, the anointing of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit is now upon Aaron and his sons. And you think this would be enough. All right, we're done with the ceremony. However long it took, I'm sure it wasn't a five-minute thing. This was a long process. They had to wait for the bull to be burnt. They had to wait for the goat to be burnt up. They had a lot to do. But it wasn't over. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting and eat it there, and the bread that is in the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. So now, not only does Moses get a part, Aaron and his sons get to eat. That was part of some of the sacrifices. That the priest got a piece, and sometimes the, uh, uh, the giver got a piece. Most of the time, God got all of it. But now, this is for the priest. It says they were to eat it at the entrance of the meal. They were to boil it. They weren't to cook it over fire. They were to boil it. They had to make sure there was no blood within it. And if they couldn't finish what, it was, what, what was their portion, the next day they had to burn it with fire, which would not be on the altar. It would be at an alternate location. And you shall not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are complete, for it will take seven days to adorn you, to ordain you. As has been done today, the Lord has commanded it to be done to make atonement for you. 
At the entrance of the tents of meeting, you shall remain day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged, so that you do not die. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard those words, I would be motivated to stay for seven days. Right? I would make sure, because they have already seen people who have disobeyed God with a high-handed sin God has already killed. They know that God is not joking around. So that you do not die. I'm here for seven days. Right? Not going to question it. For so I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. This is the first time you read outside of the wave offering that Aaron and his sons did anything. They accepted. They, everything was done to them and for them. And now for seven days, this ritual had to be repeated. The offerings, the anointings, everything was done for seven days in a row so that they would not die. What does all of this point us to? Well, it also, it, obviously it points us to Jesus, the ultimate high priest. Jesus had a public ceremony. Jesus publicly came to John. And he was washed in baptism. This is, what it, this is what we know when he says to fulfill all righteousness, the priest had to be washed. The only difference is Jesus had nothing to be washed from. He's just fulfilling the ordination ceremony of the priest. Jesus was washed. Jesus was anointed at the same time by the Holy Spirit in his baptism. And Jesus identified with and sanctified sinners at his crucifixion. So all points us to Jesus. The book of Hebrews tells us this, and we'll close with this, about Jesus' priesthood and how it's different. Matter of fact, it says that Jesus, had, uh, Jesus was a priest not in the order of Levi, but of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the high priest of God who had neither Beginning nor end, it says. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 to 28 tells us this, but he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. How much is God able to save you? To the uttermost. Most. Did not Jesus tell us that not one hair of your head would be lost? He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, the ultimate high priest. Salvation is given no other name other than Jesus Christ. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. What was the priest always doing? Making intercession for the people, for himself and for the people. So that God would not kill them. They would not die. For indeed, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, 
first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. All that had to be done to Aaron and his sons, all the offerings, all the anointings, all the blood point us to one final, great, perfect sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Thanks be to God for His mercy and His grace upon us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Lord, I think of the song. You paid a debt you did not owe. You paid it for us. You paid your own self with yourself on our behalf. You anointed yourself. You shed your own blood so that your children would not die. For indeed, you told us that even though a man die, yet shall he live. And we thank you, Father God, that right now, your son Jesus is in heaven, sitting at your right hand, ever making intercession for us, so that between us and God, our record is blameless. There is nothing against us, because the perfect high priest, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect burnt offering, the perfect sin offering, the perfect guilt offering, the perfect ordination offering, offered himself once for all for us. May we not neglect it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, with the way that wrapped up, I, I wish I would have done Jesus thank you from this morning. That would have been a great one, right? All right, let's stand and open up our hymnals. We're going to sing a great one too, 583, My All in All. Five eighty three, you are my all and all. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all and all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all and all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all and all. 
When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all and all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. And then doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.